This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown at at AMI. That's not true. Well, I, currently I am at it at, at 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 AMI. Oh my goodness, I am not talking well this morning. That is a rough shot if you are the host of a television show. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. Woohoo! There you go. 100% full marks. Advocates are calling for New Brunswick to reform its disability support program. A draft plan is currently being trialed. Shelley Petit has some perspective to share. Shelley is the chair of the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities. Hey, good morning, Shelley. Good morning, Dave. Shelly, this has been some fodder for the show all day, talking about uh, the national perspective and a couple other regional perspectives. But what's at issue in New Brunswick in regards to the disability support program? So much. Um, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I really, like, there's so much. I was just counting how many people you might have to contact when you first go on disability. So here you are, you're someone who's possibly like myself at 48, 49 your life has completely changed and you might have to contact 12, 13 people to figure out basic supports. Like it's not realistic and it's not reasonable. And it's truly a keep people employed in the government, but let's not worry about people with disabilities and making their life better. So there's, there's a proposed draft plan that's being trialed right now. What is being addressed with that draft plan? What's the goal? Well, the, Some of it's amazing. It really is. And I was proud to sit on the committee working on it because we talked about one point of contact, a cradle to grave plan with one point of contact so that you call, you tell your story once. You are not re-traumatized time after time after time. And then this person ensures that you are set up with the proper supports that is going to make you the most like the best version of yourself that you can be going forward with the barriers that society's put in front of us. So it would sort of be a guide through the different ministries that you might have to deal with as a person with a disability. It's really thinking about the intersectionality and the number of points of service you might actually require in your life's journey. Right. And it's, it doesn't make this presumption that we know the plan, you know, the disability program backwards and forwards, like maybe someone who's employed to know so would know. So they should be able to say, well, do you know that you would also qualify for an equipment loan on this or that you may qualify? You've got um, a a problem with your digestive system. So for the extra money for food or blah, 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 right? To make sure that you're getting everything you need to get so that we're not ending up back at the ER twice a month because our systems are, are crapping out on us. What's the status of the trial right now? Where is it at? So they did a tri- an original trial in Miramichi last summer for about six weeks uh, with about 100 people just to see, you know, what are the kinks that are still there? Then they brought that information back to the table. Now they're doing another trial in what's called Zone 3, so the Greater Fredericton region, with about 100 clients again. It's only going to last for a couple months, again, just to see what works, what doesn't work. And then because the head of the disability support program has been quite clear that she doesn't want to roll it out half functioning because then everyone's just going to say this doesn't work and it's going to get canceled. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. she really wants to bring it back forward and 
one of the goals we're hoping is that with this, more than 30% of those with disabilities actually get full support because in New Brunswick, only about 30% of those on assistance get the full DSP, the mm. restaurant regular assistance. Shelly, I know the sample size is small based on these trials, yes. but what's some of the feedback been like? It depends on who you're asking. Uh, we've talked to persons with disabilities and our members, and they love it. They especially talk about the lack of re-traumatization and learning about services and supports they had no idea they qualified for. Some who have been on supports for 10, 20 years, and they're like, what do you mean? I could have had this and this and this all along. And wow, would that have ever changed my life? But for some reason, I apparently the third-party service providers in the province are not pleased with it. And I think that that's a bit of the disability industrial complex playing in there because one point of contact through them could result in some of these third-party service providers losing their contracts. Right, right. I, I can understand that. Like you say, disability, yeah. the disability complex certainly exists. In fact, that's going to be explored in a roundtable conversation a little bit later in the show about uh, telethons and fundraising for disability ah. rather than uh, rather than governments necessarily doing uh, the job that they're supposed to do. But let's let, do. let's let's leave that one. Let's leave that one aside for now, Shelley. Yes. That, that one's that one's coming mm-hmm. out in about an hour or so. Uh, Shelley, what what do you think it would take to have the system more widely implemented in a permanent way? Well, it's going to take government saying, you know, government supporting it, saying, okay, we have to do better by persons with disabilities. We know that they're the most underemployed demographic out there. And with proper supports, that they have proper accessible units, uh, access to proper transportation, many more people can live better lives in terms of they might be able to work full time or part time. They may have, they'll have better mental health. They'll just have better overall health, which you know, it's all cyclical. When we don't have the support to the health, where do we end up? We end up on, you know, in the medical system. Mm-hmm. So, and that's overwhelmed. So imagine by having proper supports in place, the pressure that that can help relieve from the medical system. We all have to work together as one and not each group worry about their budget. Yeah. It, and look at it as a whole. It, we it, have We have a billion dollar surplus. We can afford it. Yeah, it, it, it really makes me think more and more about creating more specialized disability ministries, but that are that are mm-hmm. interconnected to those other ministries. Back to this one point of contact that says, hey, this might be the Ministry of Disability. I, I know people were going to quibble with that title, but at the very yeah. least, this is where you go and they're going to help you navigate everywhere else. Like, like you said, the one point of contact or the one ministry that you've got to deal with that then builds from there. I, I, I know I know there would probably be some some issues here in there but but i wonder if more and more that that's a system we need to move towards rather than every single ministry having their own disability departments oh absolutely and then they contact the federal they work with the federal government for their programs and if you do move they work with the ministry in the next province or territory as well because again we should all be working everybody at some point is going to end up under the disability category because mm-hmm. those who are not disabled are just temporarily able bodies. So let's make the world better for everybody. And, so they be their best person. And Shelley, that's the last thread to pull at here because in yeah. the draft plan, there is some conversation about definition of disability, which is certainly has come up a bunch of times here, but it's worth re-exploring, especially in this context. Why was definition considered something so important in this plan? Uh, New Brunswick has a very 
strict medical definition currently, and uh, it's very limiting. So as the advocates around the table, we pushed, 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 and when they started re releasing the plan to us, they came up and they said, we recognize, and there's going to be a social model definition of disability, looking at how barriers impact you and not necessarily a medical diagnosis. And everybody's like, yes, and so excited. And then they said, but to qualify for services, you'll need the medical model. Mm, so, mm. but one step forward is still one step forward. And as they're recognizing that there, ha there are two different definitions and we have to look at the social model definition, that then gives us more ability to push to bring it into the DSP. Yeah, I've always been an advocate that we can uh, use both. <laughs> you know, like we don't yes. need to choose one or the other. Yes, there's there's a time where the medical model has to come in, but there are a lot of new disabilities out there that don't have a medical diagnosis yet. And mm -hmm. we have to help. And I would be one, yeah. uh, you know, so they have to help work with those people as well. Uh, certain certain chronic conditions that may not manifest yep. all the time. That's certainly one that people need to consider. Yeah, the, yeah. the notion of like some invisible long COVID, long COVID, <laughs> some, some invisible disabilities. Yeah, there, there's a lot. Yep. Of, there's a lot of stuff that that can certainly fit into both models or one or the yep. other. So it's worth considering both. Hey, Shelley, this is fantastic. Thank you for all the work you're doing behind the scenes, and thanks for talking about it today. Anytime. We'll talk to you next month. That is Shelley Petit. Shelley is the chair of the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities. In 60 seconds, John Lepke will have the weather story of the day. But first, here's Canadian press reporter Rob Westgate with your Morning Business Minute. Bay Street finished the week on Friday with a healthy bump, while Wall Street remained in the green as well. Toronto's S&P TSX added 95 points to close at 21,413. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 62 points, closing at 39,132. The Nasdaq, it slipped 45 points down to 15,997. Asian markets appeared mixed this morning, with Japan's Nikkei finishing up 135 points at 39,234. As for the Hang Seng in Hong Kong, it closed down 91 points at 16,635. Canadian bank shares are looking flat as they head into the first quarter earnings results due out this week, and grocery stores are turning to AI to help personalize offers, but many consumers still find the logic behind the incentives a mystery. As for the loonie, it's trading at 73.95 cents US. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Rob Westgate. Thank you very much, Rob. From money to weather, let's bring in John Lepke. John, um, it's February and therefore still winter. Yes, as evidenced by the snow that whipped my window in my bedroom yesterday evening. <laughs> um, so to use a clothing metaphor, if you look at the uh, weather service map, uh, alert map from the government of Canada, it kind of appears like much of the country is wearing a big old red belt. That means there are snowfall and winter storm warnings that stretch as far west as Jasper, as far east as Lake Manitoba, and with an offshoot as far south as the Alberta-Montana border. In the area west of Edmonton, those snowfall warnings mean an expected 10 to 20 centimeters of snow by this evening. In central Saskatchewan, there are wind gusts of 70 kilometers an hour expected today, in addition to 10 centimeters of snow, and wind chill values below minus 40 both today and tomorrow. Oof. Much of the same for affected areas of Manitoba. 
And don't worry, Eastern Canada, don't feel left out of this blustery party. <laughs> a large chunk of southwestern Ontario and the Sioux Lookout area is under a winter weather travel advisory. Heavy snow is expected with the peak snowfall pace being two to five centimeters an hour. So I'd avoid that particular road hazard if you can. And meanwhile, in Quebec, from Montreal in the south, right up to the Newfoundland border, we have the opposite challenge. A low pressure system will be showing up this week, creating some rapid melting and blustery winds. Blustery being our word of the day today. <laughs> it's not just Plus, a, it's not just a bunch of media bluster, not just a bunch of hot air being blown by John and Dave. There you go. That's in the next segment. I'm not sure um, <laughs> that we share. Plus, just because they're special, the Ramuski area gets two warnings because uh, they're also under a snow squall watch as well at the moment. So there's a lot happening in Canada's various biomes today. Well, John, I'll tell you, it's a beautiful sunny day in Toronto. I think we're hitting five or six degrees. So the center of the universe wins again. John, thanks for this. Talk to you a little bit later. <laughs> Talk to you later. That's John Lepke at the AMI Weather Desk, which is in Saskatchewan today. So definitely a bit of a different perspective. Coming up next, a new Netflix docudrama explores Albert Einstein's moral dilemma with the atomic bomb. Amy Amanti reviews Einstein and the bomb. Was the film the bomb? Find out. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.